No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we begin the book of Nahum, the prophet who speaks of God's judgment against Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. But God is a stronghold to his people in the day of trouble. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl teaches in Nahum chapter 1 on Simply the Bible. We come today to this little book of Nahum. Nahum is considered a minor prophet, and his prophecy was against the city of Nineveh, the capital of the great Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrians had been perennial enemies of Israel. They destroyed the northern kingdom in 722 BC and nearly destroyed the southern kingdom about 20 years later. Several kings of Israel and Judah paid tribute to Assyrian kings. Assyria was one of the cruelest, vilest, most powerful, and idolatrous empires in the world. Many cities, when they knew that they would be conquered, chose to commit mass suicide rather than fall into the hands of the Assyrians. One of their kings wrote about his enemies, I stormed the mountain peaks, I took them in the midst of the mighty mountain, I slaughtered them, with their blood I dyed the mountain red like wool. King Ashurbanipal wrote this description about a leader that he captured. I pierced his chin with my keen hand dagger through his jaw. I passed a rope, put a dog chain upon him and made him occupy a kennel. This king also wrote, I am Ashurbanipal, the great king, the mighty king, king of the universe, king of Assyria. Such was the ruthlessness and pride of the Assyrian kings. Now, 100 years earlier, before Nahum wrote this prophecy, the prophet Jonah preached in Nineveh, and the entire city repented. Consequently, God postponed his judgment, but the repentance was not long-lasting. Now, Bible scholars believe that Nahum lived in Judah and wrote his prophecy sometime between 663 and 654 BC. Nineveh was destroyed by the Babylonians and Medes about 50 years later in 612 BC. Nahum's prophetic description of the fall of Nineveh is remarkably detailed and accurate. Nahum chapter 1, the burden against Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. Nahum received from the Lord a burden against Nineveh. The Hebrew word for burden means a load and was often used to describe a prophetic message announcing judgment. Nahum also had a vision, meaning that God gave him a mental picture of the future destruction of this great city. God is jealous. And the Lord avenges, the Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. So God is jealous. He was jealous for his own people. He did not want them to have any gods before them, but also jealousy refers to the fact that someone fights hard to preserve the love relationship that he has with his loved ones. And in this case, uh, God's loved ones are his creation. And so he also avenges them when they are oppressed or tortured like they were by the Assyrians. 
He reserves his wrath for his enemies. Now, God is slow to anger, and a lot of times people misinterpret this as thinking that they're getting away with it or that God doesn't care. The fact is, God is slow to anger because he gives people time to repent and turn from their sins, as he did earlier with the city of Nineveh. But he will not acquit the wicked. When people do not repent, God will ultimately bring his vengeance. That's what he says. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it, who can stand before his indignation, and who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. So God does have his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. He is sovereign over these natural events, but he also does supernatural things. He dried up the Red Sea. He also stopped up the Jordan River so his people could pass through. But when he shows up in judgment, then the earth heaves at his presence. And who can endure the fierceness of of his anger. Really, who could stand against God in his wrath? The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. Now, it's interesting here in the midst of this judgment against Nineveh, uh, Nahum pronounces this really comforting message to God's people, that the Lord is good. He is a stronghold or a mighty fortress in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. And that's ultimately what God looks for from us, is that we would simply trust in him and take refuge in him because he knows those who trust in him. There is only one way for the Lord to know us and to save us from our sins, and that is for us to trust in Jesus Christ. Thus says the Lord, though they are safe and likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down when he passes through. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. So the Assyrians would be cut down and though God used them to afflict his people, first the northern kingdom, then the southern kingdom, they would afflict the people of God no more. God would break off the Assyrian yoke from Israel. God would finally avenge the terrible Assyrian oppression. The Lord has given a command concerning you. Your name shall be perpetuated no longer. Out of the house of your gods, I will cut off the carved image and the molded image. I will dig your grave for you are vile. And so the whole world knew of the Assyrians. They were very feared. They were this world-dominating empire, but their name would be perpetuated no longer. And how many Assyrians have you met lately? God would also cut off their carved images and molded images, which were in fact demon gods. And he said, I will dig your grave because you are vile. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, keep your appointed feasts. 
Perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. Now this pictures a watchman on the wall of Jerusalem when he sees the feet of a messenger approaching him. The good news is that the terrible city of Nineveh has fallen. We have good news that through the cross of Jesus Christ, our terrible enemy, Satan, has fallen. He no longer oppresses our souls through sin and death. Now Nahum said, go ahead and keep your appointed feast. So now they could practice their religious observances without fear. Chapter 2. He who scatters has come up before your face. Man the fort, watch the road, strengthen your flanks, fortify your power mightily. For the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob like the excellence of Israel. For the emptiers have emptied them out and ruined their vine branches. So here Nahum is saying to the Ninevites, fortify your power, although it would be of no use. For the Lord would restore the excellence of Jacob. He would look after his people at this point. And the Ninevites, who had driven so many people out of their homes and into other nations when they conquered them, now they would be emptied out of their city. The shields of his mighty men are made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariots come with flaming torches in the day of his preparation. And the spears are brandished. The chariots rage in the streets. They jostle one another in the broad roads. They seem like torches. They run like lightning. And so as the Babylonians and Medes would come Against the city, their shields would be made red with blood. Their chariots would enter the streets and appear like flaming torches. They would be moving so fast throughout the city streets. He remembers his nobles. They stumble in their walk. They make haste to her walls. And the defense is prepared. The gates of the rivers are opened and the palace is dissolved. It is decreed. She shall be led away captive. She shall be brought up and her maidservants shall lead her as with the voice of doves beating their breasts. God would remember what the Assyrian kings had done, and as the siege was coming against them, they would make haste to buttress the walls, but it would be futile. Then the gates of the rivers would be opened and the palace dissolved. Now, King Sennacherib of Assyria had dammed the Kohoser River outside the city, making a reservoir. This river flowed underneath the walls, providing water for the city. The Greek historian Diodorus wrote that in the third year of the siege, heavy rains caused the river to flood part of the city and break part of the walls. But it is also possible that at the beginning of the siege, the Babylonians and Medes closed the floodgates. And when the reservoirs were completely full, they threw open the gates, flooding the city and causing the palace to collapse. Though Nineveh of old was like a pool of water, now they flee away. Halt, halt, they cry, but no one turns back. Take spoil of silver, take spoil of gold. There is no end of treasure or wealth of every desirable prize. She is empty, desolate, and waste. The heart melts and the knees shake. Much pain is in every side, and all their faces are drained of color." 
And so Nahum says, take a spoil. Here speaking to the invading army that there would be no end of the treasure. Of course, the Assyrians had amassed much treasure at the expense of their enemies, but now Nineveh would be desolate herself and she would be led away captive. Where is the dwelling of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions? Where the lion walked, the lioness and the lion's cub, and no one made them afraid. The lion tore in pieces enough for his cubs, killed for his lionesses, filled his caves with prey and his dens with flesh. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. I will burn your chariots in smoke and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth and the voice of your messengers shall be heard no more. Now, the Assyrians loved lions. There were a lot of lion statues throughout uh, Nineveh. And so God said, well, where is the dwelling of the lions? The lions filled his dens with flesh, meaning that the Assyrians had taken way more than they needed. So now God was against them and the sword would devour their young lions as they had done to others, so now it would be done to them. And, and really, this is probably the lesson here is that, you know, we reap what we sow and what we have done to others will be done to us. And even though God is slow to anger and people seem to be getting away with it, God will ultimately bring judgment. Therefore, you don't want God to be against you. Rather, you want to trust in the Lord and make him your stronghold so that he will know you and not be against you, but before you. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. We're happy to announce that we're building a new facility in Southwest Meridian. For more information or to give toward this project, please visit calvarytv.org slash buildingproject. That's calvarytv.org slash buildingproject. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast. Tomorrow we will see where Nahum predicts with great accuracy the fall of Nineveh, her shepherds slumber, her nobles rest in the dust, and her people are scattered. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Nahum on Simply the Bible. <laughs>